Today on Blue 58, the Packers put together their best game of the season and spoiled Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field. Did they save their season? Maybe, maybe not. But they got the win, and that's good enough for right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here after a win for the first time in a long time. Who saw that coming? Not just the Packers winning, but the Packers winning because of two Rudy Ford interceptions, the Packers winning because of three Christian Watson touchdowns, and the Packers winning despite being down 28-14 in the fourth quarter and not even getting the ball first in overtime. If you were hoping for not even a win, but just something entertaining, I don't know if you can do much better than this. Not to get too far ahead of things here, but stepping back for a second and looking at the bigger picture, this game doesn't change much. The Packers still have incredibly long playoff odds. They will need tons and tons of help to even think about getting to the playoffs. And they are still a very flawed team. And yet... For the first time this season, they showed they can overcome those flaws, too, and not just win despite them. For the first time this season, they played well for most of the game. I don't want to say a complete game, because the third quarter was pretty bad, but you know what? I will happily welcome back the 2020 Packers' patented third quarter lull, if it means that they can play great for the rest of the game. For the first time in as long as I can remember, the Packers took a team's best shot and kept right on plugging. And I think that's the biggest thing. Because the Rudy Ford interceptions were great, the Christian Watson touchdowns were great, but the best part to me was that the team didn't implode when things got bad, because we've seen that happen so often. I've talked at great length about the Lafleur microchip theory. Everything is precise and pristine and perfect, and when it's working, there's nobody who can slow them down. But you get a grain of sand in the microchip, and things short-circuit so fast, it seems. But this season, it wouldn't even be a microchip. It would be like an Etch-A-Sketch or something. Something really low-tech for the 2022 Packers. But whatever they are, they didn't implode today when things started going poorly. You have Omari Rogers not muff a punt, but fumble. You have a bad drive following that, and the Cowboys go right down and score on back-to-back drives. Touchdown, touchdown, 28-14. If you thought it was over at that point, I wouldn't blame you. I thought the same thing. And yet, here come the Packers. Two long touchdown drives to tie things up. Then they get a stop in overtime and win. And they won basically being the team that they were always supposed to be this year. Aaron Jones got the ball a bunch. Christian Watson, a rookie receiver, came along and became a focal point of the passing game. The defense made enough plays to win and made plays on the ball too. That was what I, I guess, foolishly now predicted preseason would be their big step forward this season, making more plays on the ball. Well, they did that this week. And on top of all the other things, it helped them to a win. And again, this is what the 2022 Packers were supposed to be. Maybe it's too little too late. But they did it. They showed at least that they could do it. And it gives them 
Maybe hope is too strong a word. But it gives them a chance. They at least have a chance to continue to try to be something. For another week or two at least, they are not out of the conversation. Three good things from this game. First, I think we have to talk about Christian Watson. The start for Christian Watson was very bad. Two drops, two bad drops. The finish was very, very, very good. He is only the third player in the NFL this season as of, actually as of last week because the stats haven't fully tabulated on um, Pro Football Reference yet, but he is the only player, only the third player in the NFL this season to have 100 or more receiving yards and three touchdowns in a game. The only other guys to do it were A.J. Brown and Stephon Diggs, but they took 12 and 6 catches to do it, respectively. Watson needed just 4. He is just the 20th, or this was just the 20th 100-yard, 3-touchdown game in Packers history. 100 receiving yards, that is. The only better one, from what I've been able to find, James Lofton had 107 yards, exactly the same total as Watson, and 3 touchdowns on exactly 3 catches in a 28-17 win over the Saints back in 1978. So it's been a while since we've seen a game like this. Next up is Aaron Jones. The feed Aaron Jones crowd had a pretty banner day. We said pregame that the plan had to be for the Packers to run a whole bunch and stay close. Well, Aaron Jones had 24 carries. His career high is 25. That's pretty good for me. He ended with 138 yards on the ground, fourth time in his career that he has averaged 5.8 yards or better on 20 or more carries. And he did it despite having a bad ankle. And he threw in a Marshawn Lynch celebration, too. Can't ask for much more there. Finally, Rudy Ford. To say this is a career day for him is to... I don't, want to, I don't even know if it's underselling or overselling his career to date. He has had nothing like this in his career before. He's had one other interception in his career. Counting that previous interception, he had a grand total of three other passes defensed in his career. But against the Cowboys, two interceptions, two passes defensed, fast, physical, not perfect, but exciting, and certainly better than we've seen from the Packers at safety for most of this year. That's not to say it was all good for the Packers, because there were some bad things, too. The first is uh, their defense on C.D. Lamb. Ends up going for about 150 yards on 11 catches. In In the preview, I said he is their passing game. Nobody else had as many targets as he does. Nobody else had as many catches as he does, like by a long way, wide margin. Nobody else had as many yards as he does. And yet the Packers had no answer. Jair Alexander specifically not great here, uh, but Darnell Savage in the slot also clearly not a long-term solution. On the big catch and run for Lamb down the sideline, Jair did say that it was not Savage's fault, it was his. But be that as it may, neither Savage or Alexander was great, and at least Alexander has been good in the past, so I think Savage is going to end up getting a lot of negative attention this week. And to that point, Where does Darnell Savage rank for you among the top six or so defensive backs in the Packers? Because I think that is where you need to be making the call on where and how much you play him, not based on where he lines up. Because the Packers have options at safety. They have options in the slot. Is Savage one of their best players in the secondary at this point? 
It feels like the answer is probably no. But I think they're just going to keep playing him anyway. And that is probably not the best choice, but sometimes your hands are tied. And as a former first-round pick, they're not just going to bench him, I suppose. But the Packers also did claim the next safety taken after Savage in the draft this week. Jonathan Abram, who played this week, by the way, uh, drew a, a, a penalty, as a matter of fact. I think they're just going to keep playing him. If nothing else, he can run fast. Hooray for that, I suppose. Uh, this final regular season dr- regulation drive, not regular season, regulation drive for the Packers also left quite a bit to be desired. The Packers got their ball, got the ball back on their own 33 with a minute and 38 seconds left and two timeouts. Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson are nuclear hot. What do the Packers do? Well, they run the ball and let the cro- clock run. They run the ball again and let the clock run some more. They finally call a timeout with 30 seconds left. Then they have a poorly executed pass on third and one, incomplete, and they punt it away. And I know you're trying to avoid giving Dallas too much time, but that's a lot of time to work with, and two timeouts to work with too. And on top of that, you're hanging a lot on the Cowboys either not scoring in regulation or in the strategy the Packers went with, hanging a lot on the overtime coin flip, and Dallas failing from there. Considering that your defense has been giving up yards left and right to C.D. Lamb and uh, to Tony Pollard, is that really a great bet? So really, you're just hoping you get the ball first in overtime. That is a plan you can have, I suppose. If your hope is that you get a couple of breaks and get in a field goal range, I don't think that's a much better plan. Because Mason Crosby's back was so bad, the Packers had to bring up another guy for kickoffs. And Crosby couldn't even get it to the back line of the end zone from 54 yards earlier in the game. You've probably got to get it to 45 or less to win in regulation. And your only win in regulation shot is to get the ball downfield in the hurry. At least let Rodgers and Watson try. At least let them try. And Lafleur said after the game he regretted the way that that drive played out. Well, yeah, I think everybody did. Let's, uh, I guess maybe he got caught off guard a little bit, having an offense that actually was getting yards in big chunks. But, um, shoot, you got to do a little bit better than that. Finally, Amari Rodgers. I'm not even mad at Amari Rodgers at this point. Because this is clearly a coaching issue, a personnel issue, and it's a bad one. It is abundantly clear he cannot be counted on to do the job returning punts. And yet he has gotten opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. How many guys are getting chance after chance after chance after this many muff punts, after this many fumbles, after contributing this little on offense? Why? Why keep doing this? Brian Gutekunst, the third-round pick is not coming back. This The cost is sunk at this point. This is beyond a reclamation project. And your, sec- your third-round pick from 2021 should not be a reclamation project in his second year, by the way. But it's, it's not 
you're not recouping the value of that third-round pick. And you missed your opportunity to try at the trading deadline, too. I don't know what we're doing here. And it's not Amari's fault at this point anymore. I mean, it is. Don't fumble. But don't put a guy who's fumbled in that situation like, what is it, six times now? Not just this season, but last season, too. Don't keep putting him back there. I don't know what you're looking for there, but he's not going to provide it. What does this win mean? We're getting too negative. This is positive. Positive show. Good win. Exciting win. What does it all mean? Well, it means, like we said up top, the Packers aren't dead yet. We are not to realistic hope territory yet, and that's not going to happen for a while. The Packers need to at least get to 500 before I think we start talking about, okay, what do we realistically have to do to get to the playoffs here? But they staved off the Grim Reaper for another week. And buying time is all you can really do when you are three and six and hoping to get to four and six. And they did that. They bought themselves to some time to continue to try to figure this out. The margin of error is, of course, razor thin. But they walk that line for one more week. And that means they get the opportunity to continue to try next week and the week after and the week after as long as they keep winning. So what happens next? Well, the Packers welcome the Titans to Lambeau Field on Thursday night, so we'll be back at Lambeau pretty soon. First Thursday night game of the year uh, for the Packers, and hopefully last. I don't see any circumstances where they end up playing another one, but uh, it'll they'll be back on Thursday night football just this week, and you get to check them out on Amazon or wherever you would like to watch that, that game uh, for the first time. I've, I've liked some of the... The Amazon streaming stuff this year, it's gone really, really well. Uh, hopefully we get a chance to enjoy that together on Thursday night because I'm looking forward to it. little Thursday night bonus football, I suppose. Um, but coming off, turning around off this game and, and facing the Titans is going to be a challenge, especially given the way the Packers' run defense played this week. Derrick Henry is a little bit better than Tony Pollard, and Tony Pollard is plenty good. Still you got the opportunity to fight for another week. Packers rookies tonight. The draft class was, I, I think, represented itself pretty well. Quay Walker, four tackles, four assists, one tackle for loss, and a pass defensed. He was back to hit him and they stop sort of stuff. He's not perfect. He's coming along. But um, I think a solid game from Quay Walker. Devontae Wyatt, one scary-looking injury, though he did, I think, come back. I thought him so, I saw him out there uh, after after the injury. I had kids crawling all over me watching this game tonight because 425 kicks are death for uh, anybody with kids trying to watch the game. But I thought I saw him out there after the injury. Ended up with just one tackle, though. Uh, Christian Watson, no further notes needed on Watson. He basically burst into flames on the field in a good way. Uh, but no notes. Excellent. Sean Ryan was active but did not play. Same for Zach Tom. He was active but did not play. Romeo Dobbs, of course, inactive with the pretty seriously lo- serious-looking ankle injury last week. Uh, J.J. Enigbari ends up with three tackles, two assists, and one quarterback hit. I noticed a couple of pressures. I'll be interested to see what the, uh, the official count is uh, from Pro Football Focus this week. But uh, they are asking a lot of him right now. And in the first post-Rashawn Gary week, I think this is about 
pretty much what you could hope for from Inigbare. Uh, pretty pretty solid performance. And if you're looking for much more than just solid, if unspectacular, probably asking too much. But I, I really have no complaints from him from this week, at least. Uh, Tariq Carpenter won special teams tackle today. Jonathan Ford was inactive. And to round things out, Samori Ture was active and played but was not targeted, though I did see him doing some jet motion stuff, which I think at this point is going to be his role, uh, should be taking over for Amari Rogers. Let's clean out the notebook and then get on to enjoy our Victory Monday. Uniform stuff. I thought the Packers looked gorgeous at home. Best-looking home game of the year. Uh, for my money, just the the late fall lighting, being at home, transitioning to being under the lights. I don't love the Cowboys uniforms on the other side, but it's a good enough look, and tradition carries some weight here. Uh, Packers get four out of four for me. Uh, Cowboys get a three out of four. Just the matchup, two out of two. Uh, these two teams look great together wherever they play, either in Dallas or in Green Bay. So I think this matchup is a nine out of ten for me. And I think, looking back at my numbers, that is the best-looking game of the year. No complaints there. If Packers-Cowboys ends up being as good as it gets this year, I think that's pretty good. I'm interested to see what the uh, the tape grinders find on this, but the Packers seem to have all but wiped out Micah Parsons in this game. Zero sacks, one tackle for loss, just five tackles total, did not seem to have a huge impact on this game. He may have been a factor on the the third down sack that Elton Jenkins gave up because Jenkins ended up one-on-one, uh, kind of isolated in an unusual sort of situation and, and got beat badly in the situation he was in. That may have been at least partly caused by the Packers' setup uh, trying to slow down Parsons. I can't say for sure, though I suspect that was probably the case or had something to do with where Jenkins ended up there. Uh, but overall, I don't think you can have too much of an issue with the way the Packers handled Parsons in this one. He is the Cowboys' best defensive players player, one of the best defensive players in the entire league, and the Packers basically made him a, I don't want to say non-factor, but they slowed him down considerably. On the Packers' side, Kenny Clark got his first sack since week three. It's been a rough month or so for Kenny, so it's good to see him get back on the, the plus side of the, the sack ledger there. Now is three on the year. Uh, he's made, I, he's had a pretty good season. Again, been a rough couple of weeks here, but it's good to see him get at least one definitively positive thing um, uh, in this game. This doesn't really fit anywhere else, so I'm just going to throw it in here. But there was at least one situation, and may have been two, where there was a personal foul on a play that was offset by another penalty. And this is something I've harped on a lot over the years. But offsetting penalties is a frustrating thing to see happen on on a given play because it seems like it gives all penalties equal weight. But in the instance of a personal foul penalty... If you claim to be all about player safety, how can you have someone grabbing and twisting someone's face mask be offset by a hold far behind the play? If you're doing a personal foul, which almost all personal fouls, I believe, I can't think of any that don't. Maybe like taunting. I guess taunting wouldn't. uh, Maybe that's an entirely different call. I'm getting, getting off the point here. But I think just about every personal foul you can make 
involves some sort of player safety issue. Why should that be offset by a penalty that does not involve player safety? They should not have equal weight if you claim to care about keeping players safe. You make an objectively dangerous play. Why should that be wiped out by a guy doing something that isn't dangerous on the other side of the field? It just doesn't add up to me. Now, of course, asking for ideologically consistent things from the NFL, I know is a foolish thing. But still, it seems like there should be a better way to handle people making dangerous plays versus people just making run-of-the-mill penalties. Got to give some kudos to complimentary football in this one. The Packers' defense gave the Packers' offense enough time to run 19 plays on two separate scoring drives in the third and fourth quarter. The Packers' two late scoring drives to tie things up took almost 11 minutes of game time, and that doesn't happen if your defense isn't getting the opposing offense off the field. The Packers' defense was far from perfect in this one, but in those key situations, when they needed it most, the Packers got the Cowboys off the field. Speaking of the Packers' offense, they had their first-choice offensive line today. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, John Rennie Jr., and Yash Nyman from left to right. On top of that, every one of those guys played 100% of the Packers' snaps. And I don't know if that has happened in a game all year. It may have gone down that way last week, but I'm not sure. I I think they had some injury issues last week. I would have to look to be sure. But that just shows you how random or how rare it's been this season to get that kind of availability from your offensive line. And it's not surprising that good things followed. As a result, Packers generally protected Aaron Rodgers pretty well in this game. And of course, Aaron Rodgers or Aaron, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon seem to have a lot to work with on the ground. No complaints. Offensive line was great. And it resulted in the Packers scoring 31 points, just the second time in the 2022 calendar year that they have been able to do that. They had 37 against the Vikings on January 2nd, but they haven't scored more than 31 uh, since then. It hasn't happened this season. They haven't gotten to 30. But uh, shoot, a lot to like about that number and that it gave the Packers enough to win. Well, that is the best thing of all. So the Packers moved to four and six. They're not dead yet. Looking back, those frustrating losses earlier in the season carry a little bit more weight now that it seems like they are at least frisky here in one game, but hey, can't complain too much. 31 to 28 over the Dallas Cowboys coming out of nowhere, coming back, holding off the Grim Reaper for one more week. Hey, we get to be positive for a few days here. We get to uh, get excited for a Thursday night game with a little bit of momentum. And we get to talk about crazy things like the Packers making a run. Crazier things have happened. We've seen them run the table in a much more competitive NFC. They've taken away all their margin for error. But if it happened once, it can happen again. Maybe we'll see it. That's all I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it too. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us 
me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.